You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. to that Brandon Graham fumble. The Patriots defense couldn't do shit. Couldn't stop a f***ing nosebleed. And so f we just couldn't f***ing stop Nick Foles of all people. And came down to their defense being able to make a play when our defense couldn't f***ing do anything. Um, so, there you go. There's how Super Bowl 52 ends and the career of Tom Brady. Also, someone better ask Bill Belichick what the f*** he was doing with Malcolm Butler. Bye. That is one sad piece. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colin, a fantasy football podcast. Brought to you by Fake Teams. And yes, uh, the aftermath of Super Bowl 52. Uh, and that was yours, yours truly speaking on the phone to Clark. I left the message after the game. Uh, and that is that is how I sounded after the Patriots were defeated by the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in Super Bowl 52. I'm your humble host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by just Clark Barnes and Mr. Class, Jordan Smith. Guys, how are you doing? Doing great, Pete. Doing well. And you know what? You actually didn't sound that bad on that voice recording. I probably would have been swearing a lot more. <laughs> I would have sounded a little bit more drunk. So wasn't that bad. Yeah. I when Clark and I were talking about this before we recorded the podcast. Um obviously having just won two Super Bowls certainly helps. Uh and and just throughout the game, you got the sense that, I mean, we all knew the Patriots defense throughout the game. You saw it, the Patriots defense couldn't stop anything. And so like you were living and dying by the arm of Tom Brady and Tom Brady got you to a Super Bowl. It got kept you in that game. We didn't even really deserve to be in that game. And when the Eagles were just able to get that sack strip fumble, hey, you know, you tip your cap to them. We the Patriots defense weren't wasn't able to get a stop. So, you know, you got to just you nod your head and you say, well done, Eagles. That was one of the better games that I've ever seen coached and played. Um, and so. uh so yeah, so there you go. That was that was I was just definitely uh, immediately justifying it in my head as to why I should not be uh, very upset. Yeah, and I think you put it well by saying they were defeated. It's not a game that they lost or gave away. I can I know Brady fumbled late, but that wasn't a bonehead play. The Eagles just played better, and they they really went out and grabbed it and won. Yeah. And hey, we said, and Clark specifically, I mean, we all said this in our preview podcast that that's what the Eagles were going to have to do. Clark even said the exact score, saying that the Eagles had to score 38 in order to win. And they had 38 until they kicked that last second field goal um, to make it 41. That is math that I just quickly did in my head. Um, so so they did exactly what they needed to do. Clearly, Doug, uh, Doug Peterson listens to the podcast and is someone... Uh, who pays attention to all the beautiful insight that we have for him. Yeah. And so that performance has to buy him at least 10 years in Philadelphia. Oh, it has to. And Philadelphia lore. I mean, yeah. For people who are talking about him being maybe not a great hire or were questioning his uh, coaching haunch, staunches, haunches, bunches, something like that. Uh, you can't do that anymore. He he had major cojones uh, and coached the one of the better games I've ever seen. So he is now he is now not only a Philadelphia icon, but uh, will be their head coach for hopefully the next. I mean, I don't see what, how you could fire him in the next twenty years. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, McCarthy's still in Green Bay and Sean Payton's still in <laughs> New Orleans. They it's haven't true. won in a while, but I think those Super Bowls are still buying them a few extra years. Super Bowls get you a lot of leeway. Somehow for Marvin Lewis, just being there gets you a lot of leeway too. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, and one of the most iconic plays, I think, of any Super Bowl ever was witnessed. Uh, you know, it's... Fourth and goal, you know it's not going to work. You see Nick Foles walking up to the line, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be some BS direct snap. Like, it's not going to work. You see all of the Patriots crowding the line. You're like, no, what are you doing? It's not going to work. Like, everybody knows what's coming. And then they do an end around. I'm like, oh, that's clever. And then the guy cocks back the pass. And like, I don't think any ass was on any seat cushion across America when that happened. Like everyone that I was watching the game was stood up just like, oh, it was like David Blaine's street magic when he reveals the card. Yeah, that was a hell of a play. Um, yeah. So other than besides us just kind of randomly talking about the game, we actually have a have a have a plan in front of us <laughs> because we are a prepared podcast you guys um so we're going to be covering over we each got some winners and losers but first oh boy has this off season started off with a bang you guys uh really the only news that's worth talking about is the fact that Josh McDaniels was the head coach for the Colts until he was not so that's just <laughs> exciting for everyone. Evidently, uh, the story goes that Kraft chatted with McDaniels again and probably offered him more money uh, and quote unquote clarified Belichick's future with the Patriots, which um, to me, you know, the question is, does that mean Belichick is retiring next year and McDaniels is now next in line for head coach? Or does it mean that McDaniels never wanted to be a head coach and is happy to just be Belichick's offensive coordinator for the next hundred years? Let's speculate wildly. All right, so Pete, you know that I get all of my news from you live on the podcast. So I have to ask, did McDaniels or Kraft say this, or is this wild ESPN speculation? We're going to fill in what we think happened. So there was definitely, there was definitely a discussion between Kraft and McDaniels. Well, yeah, but he's the Kraft second in command on a job. I'm sure the men speak frequently. Kraft, well, Kraft definitely sweetened the pot for for McDaniels to come back. There was definitely in the, the quote unquote clarification of Belichick's future. That was a direct quote. And that like, I think it's now being reported that Belichick said that he is going to mentor McDaniels on the kind of team construction side of things. And like basically trying to build McDaniels into the coach GM that Belichick is. Um, so I think that was kind of the stuff that was then, promise to McDaniels. Uh, my thoughts are that he was unsure of working with Jimmy Ursay because let's be honest, who isn't? The guy is a little, a little much, maybe, if we can say that nicely. Uh, and I think the biggest thing is he found out that Luck's shoulder uh, is a lot worse than the Colts let on. Uh, there was rumors going around when McDaniels left that Luck might need another surgery. Um, mostly, most of me just hopes that it was Kraft being like, hey, Colts, remember Deflategate? Ha ha, fuck you, we're going to take our head coach back. And he's going to come back and be the offensive coordinator again. Suck on it! Um, so... That's 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 what I would like to think uh, was the main catalyst behind this. But really, I think it was just McDaniel's realizing that the quarterback situation is not as was not as uh, as sure as maybe he expected going into Indy. And I think again, working with Jimmy Ursay as an owner, I just I don't really know if I want that guy writing my paychecks. Yeah, I think if it's one thing that people who are signing on to be assistants for coaching staffs are going to take note of don't sign any paperwork until you know the head yep. coach is in place because some people just got screwed and the Colts got screwed themselves because they got to hire a coach that wants to work with this coaching staff. And I think that's a little bit harder of a fit than hiring the coach and then having him handpick the people that he wants to come in. And um, McDaniels, I don't really know what to say other than I'm sorry, your reputation got ruined again. Um, your agents left you. Uh, He's got to have, have been offered a pretty sweet gig with the Patriots. And I just have one question. How does the Rooney rule fit into all of this? If McDaniels is already getting promised a head coach slash GM positioning. That's a good question. That's a really good question. I, I, 
I mean, I have, I have no idea. I'll be interested to see if the moment actually comes, uh, what the Patriots do. Granted, the Raiders just spent their entire mm-hmm. offseason uh, bringing John Gruden out of retirement, and the NFL launched, quote-unquote, launched an investigation into their uh, being able to abide by the Rooney rule and found that they did not uh, break any rules, though clearly they did. So, but we'll see. Yeah, so the the Rooney rule just states, according to some quick internet research here on (laughs) Wikipedia. That's how we do it on this podcast. Right. Top notch, top quality here. The teams just have to interview a minority candidate. So I'm sure that Ursay could have done this already. It doesn't say that you, I don't see any language in there saying like, there must be given serious consideration. It does seem as though it is a technical, like we brought in Steve checked the box okay now we want mcdaniels right. coming in here now that's really crappy if that's what ursa has done because that's certainly not the spirit of the rule uh, but what i love what i love about this so much is that it happened to the colts <laughs> afc south baby we've got too much competition coming into the division we need the colts to to remain a dumpster fire and I, that's why i asked is there any confirmed reports from McDaniels or Kraft or Belichick saying that these things happened, or is it just wild speculation? Because the Colts have T.Y. Hilton and Andrew Luck. You mentioned some questions about Andrew Luck, but really that team otherwise is very bad. They have no offensive line and no defensive line. If Luck is even somewhat questionable, it's probably not the gig that we all think it's going to be right and if you can just wait a couple of years maybe even three years to go with Kraft, who's been one of the most stable owners in the league uh, you know you do it i think i think and again mcdaniels i mean look at the success that doug peterson had listening to this podcast mcdaniels you should have been tuning in mcdaniels regrets not taking the tennessee titans gig I will tell you that right now. If you wanted, to, if he had aspirations of being a head coach, he regrets picking the Colts because there were so many questions marked. Like you said, that team already just from a roster standpoint is awful. Their owner is a piece of shit. And you're relying that, you know, yes, Andrew Luck is a transcendent talent, but you're relying on the fact that he is fully recovered from a shoulder injury that had multiple surgeries on it. That's kept him out at least what a year and a half now. Um, so I, I mean, I think I think McDaniel's is regrets if he had aspirations of being a head coach, regrets not taking that Titans gig. Yeah, the best ability is availability, and I'm I'm put that on a T-shirt for Clark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honestly I'm a little bit worried for Andrew Luck because what is sexier to a offensive-minded head coach or head coach candidate than going to a team that already has a super good quarterback? And leaving a situation in which Tom Brady's destiny might be just automatically tied right to Belichick. He's up there in age. You don't have a Jimmy Garoppolo. I We talk about Jimmy Garoppolo every podcast, so we got to name drop him here. He's not there anymore. They He's don't gone. have a backup plan yet. So hey, it's like... Take up Brian Hoyer waiting in the wings. <laughs> <laughs> the future. He knows the offense. <laughs> no, so I, don't, I don't know. I'm worried about luck. No, I, I think it... I think, it's obviously this whole thing looks awful for McDaniels and rightfully so. I mean, that's a pretty dick move to, to kind of bail out at the last second. Um, But I think it also does not look good for luck. I think that's the big, one of the bigger takeaways from this whole uh, fiasco is, is that, you know, maybe luck is nowhere near and maybe will never be. I mean, it would be really sad if luck never is able to fully recover from this and, and return to, the kind of the transcendent uh, quarterback that everyone thought that he would be, would be coming out of college. That would be, that would be one of the sadder, sadder uh, stories in the NFL. Doesn't this kind of fit with like the Patriots aesthetic though? Like Belichick is already the emperor. And I think this makes McDaniels Vader now just complete the transformation, put him in the oxygen pod and just, (laughs) just complete the transformation. I love it. I love it. I think that's perfect. Next, the next time we see them, they're both going to just be walking out of the tunnel and McDaniels is going to have the giant visor on. (laughs) They should just get him one of those elevation masks and just (laughs) lean into it all the way. (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. Um, Yeah. 
So there you go. There's the news around the NFL. That's all that we really care about since uh, it's just going to be complete chaos in Indy. And both Clark and I are 100% on board for it uh, because that's just beautiful to see. So uh, let's get on to the Super Bowl 52 actual recap. We're going to talk winners and losers. Again, I know we're late, but I needed some time to digest the game and actively ignore all the discussions and articles on the game. So uh and i was going to convince myself that in the grand scheme of things this uh doesn't really matter and you know what guys i did a successful job convincing myself that so. well to, well to be yeah. frank in the grand scheme of things no football game matters at all like Fair. none of this is very important in like, the, I in the immortal words in the mortal words of freddie mercury nothing really matters yeah well to me you're welcome oh that's beautiful um so we should have got winners and losers. I will start us off because I haven't actually seen as much of this as I thought there would be, but I just wanted to really get this out there on the forefront. And I know I'm going to fake shock uh, later in the podcast when Jordan actively disagrees with me, but winner Tom Brady. Um, don't let anyone in the history of the world tell you that this game was Brady's fault. Brady set an NFL record for the most passing yards in a Super Bowl, throwing 505 with three touchdowns and no picks. Brady, this whole postseason, has been a god. He's thrown for 1,132 yards and eight touchdowns and no picks. And yes, I have that written down because I do research. Um, Literally, the defense, this game came down to one stop, right? The Eagles got it. They had a sack fumble on Brady. That was the one stop they needed to win. If the Patriots had gotten one stop, the Patriots the Patriots are Super Bowl winners because 100% because of Tom Brady. It's an example of why wins, being a quarterback stat, is dumb. It neglects the whole aspect of the team, right? It's Brady can do only so much. Literally, literally you can do every historically good. You can set every record you possibly can in the Super Bowl. And yet somehow the defense gives up 41 points uh, and lets you down in the most clutchest of moments. So this is my kind of spiel on Brady there is over. He's clearly a winner. Uh, but it led me to be thinking, it's interesting, like when did – when did Super Bowl wins get lumped in with quarterbacks? Like, think of, for instance, since the Hall of Fame just got announced for this year, Randy Moss, right? You don't think, like, anyone you ask who's a, who has any knowledge of the NFL, Randy Moss is a top two, top three wide receiver in the history of the NFL. You don't think any less of him because he didn't win a Super Bowl and he only made it to, what, one? But somehow Super Bowl wins have been lumped in with quarterbacks that, like, somehow you're not a, you know, you're less of a quarterback because you didn't win the Super Bowl. Somehow that responsibility has been has been pushed upon uh, the quarterback. And I just found it odd. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, but that was just something that I came up against for the first real time, real time investigating. And I was like, I wonder how that and why that happened. I, I, had a, I think it's just because of our this weird culture that has started to form of this greatest of all time debate that we have with literally Everything, everything and especially quarterbacks basketball players it bleeds into that too but at this conversation of joe montana what was he like four and oh in super bowls yeah people are arguing that oh, i'd rather be four and oh and never lose in a super bowl than be five and three and lose three times and i'm sitting there like i would rather make it to eight super bowls in 10 years but at the same time you can't compare them because i mean Welcome to Peyton Manning's world for the majority of his career. He could put up as many great offensive stats as possible, but his defense was still a dumpster fire every year. So it just didn't matter, you know, and it's it totally neglects everything that everybody else on the team does from the coaching staff to defense, special teams to Adam Vinatieri, who's helped Tom Brady win some of those Super Bowls. It's QB wins is dumb. I hate them. <laughs> well, I'll I'll take the other side of it. I think if you say that quarterback wins define a quarterback or quarterback Super Bowl wins define a quarterback, that is dumb. And I think if you take no accounting for any quarterback's record, I feel like that's also a little dumb. Uh, it is just a data point. 
if you feel like it's important and your favorite guy wins a lot, you say, see, <laughs> I told you. And if you don't feel like it's important, you can point at Eli Manning and say, see, I told you it wasn't important. <laughs> it's just a piece of data. It, you know, Tom Brady seems to win a hell of a lot of games and he's got good teams around him, but also has taken less money to get there. So let's not discount his kind of not being as motivated by money as, you know, I would be. And I, and as I can't blame anyone else for being, uh, so it's not a live and die thing. And I think you guys really hit the nail on the head. Uh, or at least Jordan, like when did we, have to decide immediately what yeah. is the best instead of just like, no, this is great. Like let's stop comparing it to something that happened 20 years ago to see who wins. Like who cares? This is great. We don't have to pick what the best thing is all the time. That's something that I think a lot of people, I, there was a whole bunch of articles leading up to the Super Bowl of, of people making that argument with the Patriots where it's just like, like regardless of what you think of the Patriots, regardless of what you think of Tom Brady and Belichick, and and regardless of whatever argument you're trying to construct, the sheer excellence over the last decade and a half, almost two decades now, that we have seen from that team is undeniable and and something that we'll probably never witness again. Like if you think mm-hmm. about the greatest quarterbacks or the greatest teams, think of the number of Super Bowls that they've made. Like. Aaron Rodgers will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. Some of the throws that that man pulls off are just inconceivable. And yet he might only play in one Super Bowl and, you know, he'll, he's come away with the win, but (laughs) Jordan (laughs) Jordan really hopes that he doesn't only play in one Super Bowl, but like scary. But like that's a possibility and it doesn't it, it shouldn't, you know, that shouldn't hinder Aaron Rodgers at all. But it also just like rings in the fact that Brady made it has played in the Super Bowl 50 percent of the seasons that he has played in the NFL, which is inconceivable. Yeah, I think something that's really crazy that for whatever reason, it's just been popping up on my Twitter timeline recently is um, some highlights of Barry Sanders. And Barry Sanders never won a Super Bowl at all, and he didn't necessarily carry the Lions to a bunch of playoff victories year after year. But at the same time, the eye test has to mean something. When you watch Aaron Rodgers throwing a deep ball on the run and getting it to a place where only his receivers can get it, that's got to mean something. Uh, Steve Nash never won an MVP or MVP. He won two MVPs, never won a championship in the NBA, but he's still one of the greatest point guards to ever yeah. play the game. So I, th- I don't know at Super Bowl wins. I get it. If you're like, you know, four and on the Super Bowl, that is pretty great. Cause you do need to be good <laughs> in the, in order to win. <laughs> but at the same time, you can also be good and lose. Right. I think Jordan, you hit it on the head. It's, it's whenever we've wanted to establish this greatest of all time. It's the MJ Kobe LeBron argument, right. just bleeding over into all sports. <laughs> Let's leave Kobe out of that discussion, please. I've watched well, Fire is huge. Okay. <laughs> but I'm I not, I'm not keep like Kobe. Out, keep Kobe out of that. <laughs> okay. He the MJ good. LeBron. Yeah. Kobe was good. MJ and LeBron are generational talents that didn't need to shoot the ball 60 times a night to score 50 points. Ooh, shots fired. Kobe. Anyway, that's the basketball segment for and the year. <laughs> <laughs> and that's us talking about basketball. Um, let's uh let's bounce over to Clark. Give us your winner for Super Bowl 52. I, I took the easy way out on this one. Uh winner for Super Bowl 52 is the fans. This was a, an amazing game. Just start to finish. Just absolutely fantastic. We were very lucky to have this. I cut my teeth in the Super Bowl era where if the game finished within 25 points, then it was considered a very close Super Bowl. (laughs) So I was raised on the Super Bowl was the last game of the year and it's going to suck and you're going to get to watch the 49ers or the Cowboys win it and you hate both of these teams. So for the past few years, we've been really lucky to see these great games and it's an event to get together an excuse to cook queso and eat ribs and to also happen to have a good game on. It was just, that's the win right there for me is this was just a great game. Cause I did not give a shit about either one of these teams. I think the biggest thing about this game that was different 
And if you think of just even if you take just like the last three Super Bowls uh, prior to 52, right, you had the Falcons and the Patriots. You had uh, the year before that was the was that Broncos Panthers? Yes. Yes. Broncos Panthers. Um, And then you had uh, the Patriots Seahawks. And well, the Broncos Panthers was just kind of a blowout. Patriots Seahawks and the Patriots Falcons, right? There was never there was never really back and forth. It was kind of the Seahawks got up on the Patriots up by 10. The Patriots came back and won that. And then there was obviously the interception for the Falcons. The Falcons went up huge and then the game got out of hand, you know, got out of their hands and the Patriots came back and won that. This game was unique because it was constantly back and forth. Like no team. It was offense, all offense and every, each team could score at will. And so you knew it was going to come down to like one big play that was going to decide this game. And it was exciting from that fact. Like you never, it wasn't like punt, 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 punt. Okay. Now we're going to have a a good possession. It was just like every single possession had excitement in it. And, and that was awesome to watch. Yeah. And we've been talking Patriots the whole time. The Eagles did an amazing job. They, you know, Blunt was running his ass off. Uh, We'll get to this in the beer bets later. Corey Clement with a hundred yards receiving one team was going to make a play on defense. And that was going to be the difference. And the Eagles made that play. I mean, again, I said it earlier, they didn't, you know, they didn't fall backwards into the victory. No, they went out and beat the best team that we've seen in a long time. And a lot of people, including myself, thought they had absolutely no chance. And they really went out there and showed that that team was fantastic. And of course, Nick Foles and that coaching staff, that coaching staff put Nick Foles in places where he could win and he took full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Collinsworth pointed it out. He was just playing like he had to have the best game of his life to win. And he did have the best game of his life and it's what it took. And he won. So hats off to the Eagles. Just amazing. Uh, nobody played any defense but the Eagles played defense for one play for one and play. And they got it. And that's, yeah. and that's how you win a Super Bowl. Defense wins championships. It still holds true. Yeah, it was a really good game, and I mean, you you think of how dominant the Eagles looked and seemed to be all game long, but the Patriots did lead at one point too, and that's something that I feel like gets lost unless you go back and look at the the scoring play by play, and that's just I feel like how you know it was a good game is that some back and forth. Um, yeah, yeah, just just a fun game. Just a good game. Uh, Jordan, what's what was your give us one of your winners for the for the game? Oh man, I should have said Trey Burton. But my uh, one of my winners is the Legarrette Blount revenge game. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I guess I, it was revenge on my team, but sure, okay, yeah. Well, it wasn't one of those games where you heard Legarrette Blount's name out of the announcer's mouth, mouth every other play like it was Marshawn Lynch or something like that but he still racked together 90 yards on 14 carries and I think if if Doug Peterson was a little bit more timid of a coach uh, that number probably would have been up in 20 to 22 carries Mm -hmm. Uh, but Doug Peterson hats off to him for keeping on attacking and having Nick Foles get 43 passing attempts Um, but yeah LeGarrette Blount ran it in for a touchdown. He looked good all game. He was running for big chunks. Um, That whole running back group as a whole, just they performed really well. Good trio of backs they have there. Yeah, that I'd be interested to hear in unbiased. uh, I totally agree with the blunt that he, he was all over the Patriots and he definitely was feeling the, he was hyping himself up leading up to the game. Um, and he definitely performed. He came and made the Patriots regret lowballing him, I guess, is what happened. I mean, you can't. I mean, the Patriots, you got a Super Bowl. You got two Super Bowls with the Patriots. So you can't really hate on that too much. Um, but I do want to ask you guys, because you guys are presumably unbiased uh, spectators. This is this is something that, that in my Super Bowl viewing party, we were all very uh, up in arms to a little bit to a slight degree, but more just very perplexed by Corey Clement's catch, the touchdown catch where he maybe gets two feet in, maybe not. I don't know if you guys know the play that I'm referencing. Uh, did, did you guys think that was a catch? This dovetails nicely into my losers and I'll just get out of the way and then let you guys talk. Uh, the fans also, the losers here, the, the NFL really 
seems like they're trying real hard to ruin a fairly simple game. Uh, the, the calls that occurred in the Super Bowl were not consistent with calls that had happened all year. I don't think that the refs were for any team, and I don't think anybody got hosed. But that this was such a big discussion about the Super Bowl when it's like, look, man, it was they were both catches. Like, who cares? But all season right. they were called not catches, and then you got Collinsworth blathering on and on, and who can blame him? Because who the hell knows? I mean, right. I do think that's I do think that that maybe if the if the NFL wants to kind of help the whole what is a catch I mean first of all just figure out what the hell is a catch but also like hint to your commentators being like hey maybe don't like spend the 5 minutes questioning every second of whether or not it's a catch or not because what are they supposed to do they got to look at the thing 40 times for 8 minutes I mean heaven forbid you just call the game and just get on with it <laughs> No, I think that's what they need. I mean, that's what they need to do. But I mean, like Tony Romo got a lot of flack for that, where it's like any catch on the sideline, Romo's like, well, was that a catch or not? We're going to have to go to the replay. And you're like, no, Romo, let's just just go to the next play. The the one that keeps getting compared is the Zach Ertz catch to the Jesse James catch. Right. Um, both of those, full disclosure, I thought both of those were catches. As far as the Clement catch, not going to lie, I kind of tuned out when they started replaying it because <laughs> I was just like, you know what? If it's a catch, it's a catch. If not, because I think at that point, the, that touchdown, did that put him up by quite a bit? Uh, any, anyway, I, I thought at first glance it was a touchdown catch. So I was just like, you know what? I saw it. I thought it was a catch. I can look at a replay and I'll probably think the same thing. Um, so that that was just my take on it. I was just like, yeah, you know what? That's fair. First glance. In First real time, time it, it looks passes, like it's, it's, you know, pass the eye test, then then let's roll with it. Um, now that makes sense. I just was curious to see if anyone, like maybe myself, had a just a burning opinion about how poorly called that was. Yeah. I, I Again, how it's been called all year, not not touchdowns. I mean, I felt, hold on. I felt the Ertz one was obvious. Like, the I Earth felt like he got it the turned up the field. The, the Jesse James play. one, Jesse James one, uh, the Ertz was different from the Jesse James because he caught it. He took whatever 700 steps that you need to clarify it to catch and then turned up field. That one, that one, there was no doubt in my mind. It was a touchdown. Yeah. I, I just feel like all of this, like all of this is worthy discussion. And if someone came on and felt super passionately about it one way or the other, I wouldn't argue with them. Cause it just, it, I'm just disgusted that we're having this discussion. Right. Because Again, like, it was such a great, yeah. you know, <laughs> I thought we fixed replay. I thought I thought we solved the catch rule, which we did. So if you guys want to hear how the catch rule should be done, I believe that was the last podcast, maybe two podcasts ago. Uh, basically, you should just listen to everything and just you know hear what we have to say. Uh, Jordan, why don't you quickly give us your second uh, winner as well? I realized that in my notes I had skipped up the order, but I'll throw you in uh, right now. Give us your second winner. Uh, second winner, depending, I guess, where you put your money was the over because just about everything went over in this game. <laughs> um, let me check here. Except for Pink's uh, national anthem. <laughs> oh, except for the national anthem. I was wrong about that. I timed that um, one. But Brady, uh, passing yards over Nick over. Foles, passing yards over. over 878 passing yards between the two of them. Uh, the combined score over it was it was just complete it was a great utter chaos it was a great day for the over you could not have been more happy to see all these <laughs> points on the board if you were um if you were betting the over so that's my winner yeah that's a good winner uh my final winner and then we'll go on to the sad losers my final winner uh Tide, Tide. <laughs> Tide's ad campaign. While my heart was beating it out of my chest like three for three hours, Tide ads were a bright spot. It was a brilliant ad campaign, making every ad that had stain like stainless shirts be a Tide ad was just sheer genius. Because it made you watch every ad expecting David Arbor to like step into frame and be like, nope, just a Tide ad. Uh, right, it's brilliant. You were looking for clean shirts in just about every commercial. And you're like, so you were looking for it. You're like, oh, wait, is this a secretive ad to hide ad? Is it, is it David? Ar is he just going to pop out of nowhere? 
I wish I had known ahead of time. I would have turned it into a drinking game for every time a Tide ad popped up. That would have been awesome. It could be like a dude at a sports desk, and it's like, breaking news! The NFL owners will now give full guarantee contracts. Colin Kaepernick is being signed to the longest contract in NFL history. And in a sudden moment of clarity, Dan Snyder is changing the Washington Redskins to the Washington Generals. And then, like, David Arbor stands up, and he's like, nope. The NFL doesn't give a shit about players. It's a tight ad. <laughs> That's what they should have run with. That would have been worth five million and a half dollars. <laughs> I also approved of Eli and Odell's uh, dancing to Dirty Dancing, so I'll, I'll I'll give him props for that. Oh, that was top notch. I loved so, it. So yeah, so good job, Tide. That was a, a brilliant ad campaign. Uh, let's get into the losers and Jordan. Because I already alluded to it, let's start with you here uh, and tell me why Tom Brady, despite the fact that he set multiple Super Bowl records and had no pro- no part of losing this game, uh, is a loser. Well, sometimes when you're winning, you're losing. And that's the case, I feel like, with Tom Brady. <laughs> he was breaking every single Super Bowl record and that's got to feel terrible when you're putting on just the best performance that you ever have in a Super Bowl and still have your team essentially costed for you. Um, so that's why in a, in a twist, I kind of picked him as a loser just because the after effect, um, the whole like Giselle explaining to their kids that, you know, it's sometimes you, you lose, you know, um, sometimes you gotta let them win. I was like, Ooh, poor choice of words. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, that's, I I mean, you got to feel like that sometimes, especially as an athlete, you know, when you're trying your hardest, when you're putting literally the team on your back and it's still not enough, it's kind of, it's got to be a shot to the ego. Yeah. Are we giving Giselle a hard time for speaking English as a second language and perhaps not being as articulate as people that get paid to speak for a living? Is that what I'm hearing? No. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure. <laughs> just clarify. Giselle Bunchen is perfect. There we go. She can do no- <laughs> have you guys been watching the Tom vs. Time Facebook movies? I have not, but I've seen a particular scene. I've, I've just tuned. I mean, I've been obviously. Clearly, I watched them. Um, Giselle is is just a fantastic human being. I just I have to say in all walks of life. So there you go. There's my, there's my uh, pitch for how amazing Giselle is. Giselle wants to come on the show and talk about it. We'd love to have her. Giselle, let's hear it. We want to hear about your, uh, you're invited. You're invited. Cordially <laughs> to the RB1 podcast. We'd love to have you. Um, Excellent. Well, yeah. Okay. So Jordan, I will say when you first pitched, when you first said that, that Tom Brady was a loser, I was, uh, I was up in arms, but I <laughs> haven't heard your spiel. Yes, he is a loser in that sense that the team definitely uh definitely let him down. Um my loser, one of my losers for this is and oh my god, it's just the whole thing. The entire Malcolm Butler fiasco. Um obviously big news after the game and during the game that Butler didn't play a single snap. He played one special team snap. Um and it sucks. A lot of a lot of Patriots fans have have kind of used it as justification that or like have, have have told themselves that had Butler played that the game would have turned out differently. And like part of me agrees with that. There was at least five times during that game where I thought to myself like, oh, Butler makes that tackle to stop a third down conversion or Butler breaks up that pass. Um, a lot of people are attributing the loss to to Malcolm Butler, but. You can do that uh, in the wise words. What, did he take himself out of the game? <laughs> I'm just saying, in the wise words of Albus Dumbledore, it does not dwell, does not do to dwell on dreams. So for those who think that had Malcolm Butler played, it would have been a different outcome, uh, maybe to maybe reconsider your stance. Uh, if I had to direct my quote-unquote loser tag to certain persons or people, since this is a loser section, um, I guess it would be to those people whose argument that Belichick's pride got in the way of this. Um, I guess I challenge, I, I challenge you to think that Br- Belichick like did this out of spite or pride or anything. Like, I think that the guy wants to win. The guy is going to do everything that he possibly can to win. Um, for whatever reason, he thought B- Butler didn't give him the best chance, but 
I, I don't think that I don't think that if your argument is like, oh, Belichick's pride got in the way and that's why they lost. I don't think Belichick is just going to throw the Super Bowl to uh, to prove a point. That's you know, hubris is a powerful force, Pete. Yeah, yeah. Um, are we sure Malcolm Butler's that good? Like, he hasn't he hasn't been good this whole season? And and that's like. It's a really sad ending to the Malcolm Butler story because he's likely done in, in New England. Um, he's been and he's been nothing but a professional. Like like you were saying, like he's had a very up and down season. He had flu like symptoms going into the Super Bowl. Evidently, he did not perform well in practices. And Belichick wanted to go somewhere, you know, wanted to go with Eric Rowe because it puts bigger corners in the slot because they wanted to be stout against the run. Um, like Butler it sucks because he made the single greatest Super Bowl play in the history of the NFL. And then fall as an undrafted rookie following that he became a very solid top cornerback in the NFL. He did everything that was asked him. And it just sucks that like, this is how he, his career with the Patriots ended. And I'm a sentimental guy. I know the Patriots aren't, but I love Butler. Um, and I always will love Butler. And I mean, hell I have got him freaking tattooed on my arm. So I'm, will always I'll always adore him. Uh, but it sucks it sucks to see a player's career with a team just kind of end in flames. Um, especially when the vast majority of people in watching that game were like, well, if only they had a sure tackling cornerback to play in the slot, which is one of the things that Butler does very well. So there you go. Well, I do have to say for those who are saying if Butler played the game would have been different. Butler wouldn't have been covering Corey Clement who caught four catches for a hundred yards or Zach Urch who Zach Ertz, who caught seven passes for 67 and a touchdown as well. So it's it's kind of like, I don't know, maybe he would have helped. Maybe things would have changed. Maybe he would have gotten an end zone touch or interception again. But it's, I don't know, you, you can't really rely on that too much. No. No. Jordan, give us your uh, final loser for Super Bowl 52. My final loser is Matthew Patricia, oh, Matthew. who shaved off his beard. And honestly, I'm a little bit worried if I'm a Lions fan. Wait, did he actually shave off his beard? Oh, it's it's like a, a goatee type thing now. What? It's like a completely different person. Oh you should check God. it out. I'm checking it right now. Keep talking. It's it's kind of uncomfortable, actually. Um, I was I would have been a little bit hesitant. I'm not saying that just as a Packers fan, but I would have been hesitant as a Lions fan in the first place because Bill Belichick is a defensive minded coach. So whenever that happens and a coordinator, a defensive coordinator that comes from a team with a defensive minded head coach, you kind of wonder what that coordinator actually did and contributed to actually making a good defense. And then at the end of the day, you saw that that defense did not perform very well for the majority of the season. And when it mattered the most, um, I thought the Lions should have gave a maybe my loser of the Detroit Lions. But uh, I think they should have given a stronger look to Terrell Austin, who has put together a solid Detroit defense for the past couple of years. And um, now he's just he's a defensive coordinator somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit scared if I'm the Lions and I have Matt Patricia. Maybe you, say, you said the Lions should be your loser. That's who my loser are. And it's kind of a joke. But like the hype took a massive hit when you put together the worst yes. defensive outing, maybe in the history of the NFL, certainly in the history of Super Bowls. Uh and now you're like, that's the white horse that you ride on. You're like, oh, that guy's coming to be our head coach. Great. I mean, you hope that it's like a Doug Peterson coming from Kansas City type of deal where he just through osmosis just gained a lot of good coaching skills. Right. And I mean, it's it's the inverse. Andy Reid's an offensive minded coach as well. So uh, you you hope that. But. I would be super, super worried. That being said, it all pales in comparison to the Colts right now. So <laughs> suck oh, it, Indy. I have no remorse for the Colts. That organization can burn for all I care. Shout out to Browns fans who somehow have a better coaching situation right now. <laughs> than the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, excellent. So there is Super Bowl 52. Beautiful recap 
five days too late, but I needed that time to recover. Uh, quickly, like Clark alluded to, and I totally spaced on this, so good job, Clark. Totally forgot about beer bets, but we're going to recap beer bets. I think I've got them all up here. We'll give it a shot. I'll run through them. If somebody remembers one that I forgot, we'll go through. Uh, we'll, we'll add that one. So number one, I've got Barnes and Jordan said that Foles would go over 300 yards passing. Pete said no. Ugh. I think everyone went over 300 yards passing. I think there were some running backs with a couple of 300-yard <laughs> passing numbers. It was just, just invoked to just go over 300. Completely yeah. whipped on that one. Jordan, you called it. The over was a big winner on this game. Anything that you had the over on was pretty good. So uh, Pete says the Pats don't score in the first quarter. They got themselves a little field goal there. So that was it just hard. was a bad omen right there. Yeah, that's a, actually, you know, it was over because uh, bet DSI gave me a $25 Super Bowl credit to try to entice me to start gambling again. And I bet on the Pats. So you can blame me. So it's all Clark. Hey, we even oh. said that. We even said it on the podcast after all three of us picked the Pats to win. We were like, go bet on the Eagles. And if you listen to <laughs> us, you are you're welcome. Yeah, so uh, Jordan and I picked up another one on you there. Uh, rough, rough week for Pete. Rough, rough week for me. Success. Oh now, this God. was my favorite one. Pete put a bold one out there. He said that Nelson Aguilar would lead the Eagles in receiving yards. Did I get it? No, no! because Corey Clement <laughs> got 100 oh. yards. Nelson Aguilar led all Eagles receivers oh. in yards. Every time I knew I had that, and I forget, I couldn't remember how exactly I worded it, but every time Nelson Aguilar catched the pass, I was like, okay, I hate that, but I'm also okay with it. Damn you, Corey Clement. He had nine catches, too. I can't He had nine catches. I, he kept getting the ball, and I was like, oh, I am so winning this beer bet that I just pulled out of my ass. And then Corey Clement comes out of nowhere. That's, oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, I am just getting roasted. That's all right. It gets better near the end. Uh, we're we're front loaded here, so uh, I think Jordan and I both picked up one there. Yeah. Uh, Pete says there's an in sync reunion at halftime. I didn't see the show. Did that happen? It did not. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did not. Okay, I saw the picture of the kid on Reddit. That's later. really the only thing that was happened. about it. Uh, Barnes put it out there. Speaking of myself in third person, that Blunt would get. <laughs> Over 1.5 touchdowns and came up short. Uh, Pete said no. That's Blunt wonderful. only gets one touchdown in his giant revenge game. Jordan, I I don't remember where you came down on that one. So I probably agreed. I was all in on the the Blunt. Yeah, you were. All right, we're 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 one voting block here. I like that we're voting together in case we need to overthrow Pete with a two to one. <laughs> two to one <laughs> Uh, so Pete and I ganged up on Jordan with the next one. Gronk over 100 receiving yards went well past it with yeah, 116 baby. and a giant no call pass interference at the end of the game yep. on the Hail Mary. Uh, and then the embarrassing and sad one for me that I put up, Dion Lewis would get over oh. 100 scrimmage yards, cleverly thinking that with his kick return yards, I will sneak one over on Pete. And that was drinks for me. So we had 39 yards rushing, 45 yards uh, on kick return. So (sighs) Pete gets one on Jordan and myself. So for me, I've got this week we go. Barnes goes four and two to the good on Pete. Uh, Barnes gets one win against Jordan. And then I think uh, Pete went three and three with Jordan. I don't know about the map. That sounds good to me. Yeah, I have totals so far are 13, 11, and four as drinks owed. Um, and so, yeah, and so those are the and those are the payouts that you had just mentioned. So perfect. So look at that. Wow. Yeah. I I I mean I'm I got three to at the end of it, but that was a that was a rough stretch of four of four bets right there that just that tore me apart. The over every time. The over every time. Clearly, I. Yeah, I was confident in I was way too confident in my Patriots defense. And in retrospect, I remember recording a podcast for the first like three weeks of this of this season being like the Patriots defense is trash. Don't ever think that they're good for the rest of the season. And then what do you know? They sucked me in and spat me back out. Ah. 
I know we've been talking a lot of Pats, but I give more credit to the Eagles here because the Vikings defense was legit and stout. And the Eagles figured out a way to score and were just unstoppable for the past three games. So giving it to the Eagles here. I know the Pats had been soft or looked soft against the Eagles, but they had tightened it up a bit as the year went on. So, again, huge props to the Eagles for really putting it to them. It's just the whole run. I mean, it, it's amazing. It's amazing how much people routinely discounted them as soon as Carson Wentz went down. Uh, and and they were able to win a Super Bowl with a top flight defense with excellent, excellent coaching uh, and being able to work to Nick Foles' strengths. And is Nick Foles under contract? Is some team going to have to trade for him? Because I don't know how that man goes back to being a backup after that performance. I'm going to I'm going to try my best to just have the narrative be tied to Nick Foles. And I think rightfully so that somehow this man had back to back best game of his life. Like that is just something that has to be remembered. NFC Championship game, Super Bowl run, not just the game itself. We have to remember that this man pulled it together and just destroyed for two straight games. And that's something that you reward with a, a contract. If you're looking for a QB, I'm buying stock in Nick Foles. Boom. I'm sure, I'm sure it will be a discussion point leading into the off season. Uh, with that, we shall wrap this sucker up. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB one podcast, subscribe to the podcast and review us. Give us five stars. If you're hyped for the off season, because guess what people it's here. It's already started. Josh McDaniels just scored the entire state of Indianapolis. Uh, that's not the state. It's a city nailed it. Uh, and, uh, and guess what? The Colts Patriots rivalry is back on in case you forgot that there was a rivalry in the first place. Uh, make sure to follow myself at Pete M Rogers on the Twitter sphere, Clark at NFL Clark and Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. Uh, we will be back in your beautiful ears next week to talk all of the glory. That is the NFL offseason. Make sure to be tuning in. We are not letting up just because the season is over. There will be lots to discuss. We're going to start talking more fantasy. Uh, we're going to start talking drafts. We'll start talking uh, rankings. We'll start talking everything you could possibly want. If you want topics that we, they're topics that we should be definitely touching on. Hey, that's what the Twitter's for. Tweet at us. Tell us. We'd love to talk what you want to talk about. Come on. It's a give and take. Um, until then, uh, peace.